From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 310 for the week of June 26, 2014. The Disney Unplugged Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan that perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Mary Jo Malata-Willie, Michael Bowling, and Tony Spital. In this segment, Michael talks about the latest presentation at the Walt Disney Family Museum. What are we going to talk about, Michael? We're going to talk about Lady and the Tramp, a love Ooh. story. Aww. So now the Walt Disney Family Museum is doing more partnering with Pixar Animation Studios. And one of the benefits of this partnership was a recent presentation, Lady and the Tramp, a love story, by Ralph Eggleston, who is an animator, art director, storyboard artist, and production designer at Pixar. He started his career at Croyer Films, working on projects such as Computer Warriors and Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. <laughs> that was one of my children's favorite films when they were little. Oh, my kids. Yep, my kids <laughs> love that, too. Uh, he was hired at Pixar in 1992 during the development of Toy Story. His work on that film won him an Annie Award for Best Art Direction. He also wrote, designed, and directed the Oscar-winning Pixar short film for the birds. He's worked on Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, WALL-E, Up, and Princess and the Frog. And he's currently working on the Pixar film Inside Out. Now, when talking about a film, Ralph likes to put it in the era of when the film was being produced. So, in the post-World War II era, when Lady and the Tramp was in production... Women were entering the workforce. Teenagers were getting out more. Suburbia was developing. And television was developing. Lady and the Tramp was released to theaters on June 22, 1955, by Buena Vista Distribution, making it the first Disney animated film to not be distributed by RKO Pictures. So like my negative 12th birthday. Ah, well, you know what's crazy is I have memories of all these movies as a kid, and in my mind as a kid, they were new. Like, to right. realize that they're that old shows the how amazing the movies are. Right, that they're timeless. They st- yeah. And, and it's that releasing every seven years, because Walt knew they were releasing to a new generation. You know, um, and which we've now lost that because now we can watch them anytime because we have them on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, it was the 15th Disney animated feature. Now, in 1955, the flag of the United States had 48 stars. Winston Churchill hmm. resigned. The Vietnam War started. The first McDonald's opened. Kermit the Frog was born. And the Mickey Mouse Club debuted. Now, after the Walt Disney Studios produced five animated features, World War II broke out, and the military took over the studios. The studio received government contracts to make films, but lost money on all of them. So after the war, Walt Disney sunk everything he had into Cinderella. If the film had failed, the studio would fail. So Walt decided to diversify into merchandising, live-action films, and Disneyland. But he still wanted to make animated features, which are becoming more and more expensive. After Cinderella, which was a hit, 
Alice in Wonderland was not a hit. But the following film, Peter Pan, was. In 1937, legendary Disney storyman Joe Grant approached Walt Disney with some sketches he had made of his Springer Spaniel named Lady and some of her antics and pitched an idea for a story on the dog. Walt enjoyed the sketches and told Grant to put them together as a storyboard. When Grant returned with his boards, Walt was not impressed and the story was shelved. In 1943, Walt read in Cosmopolitan a serialized short story written by Ward Green called Happy Dan, the Whistling Dog. He was interested in the story and bought the rights to it. This story eventually became Lady and the Tramp. Now, for our listeners not familiar with the story of Lady and the Tramp or who haven't seen it in a while, let's revisit the film. On Christmas morning in 1908, Jim Deere gives his wife, Darling, a Cocker Spaniel puppy that they name Lady. When Lady grows up, she enjoys a happy life with a couple and a pair of dogs from the neighborhood, a Scottish terrier named Jock and a bloodhound named Trusty. Meanwhile, across town by the railway, a friendly stray silver mutt referred to as Tramp dreams to live in a family and home be it begging for scraps from an Italian restaurant or protecting his fellow strays, Peg, a Pekingese, and Bull, a bulldog from the local dog catcher. At one point, Lady sees a rat trying to sneak into the yard and chases it away. Later, Lady is saddened after Jim Deere and Darling begin treating her rather coldly. Jock and Trusty visitor and determine that the change in behavior is due to Darling expecting a baby. Whilst Jock and Trusty try to explain what a baby is, the eavesdropping tramp enters the conversation and offers his own opinions. Jock and Trusty take an immediate dislike to the stray and order him out of the yard. In due course, the baby arrives, and Jim, Deer, and Darling introduce Lady to the infant. Soon after, Jim, Deer, and Darling decide to go on a trip together, leaving their Aunt Sarah to look after the baby and the house. When Lady clashes with Aunt Sarah's two Siamese cats, Sai and Am, she takes Lady to a pet shop to get a muzzle. A terrified Lady escapes but is pursued by some alley dogs. Tramp sees the chase and rescues Lady. The two then visit a zoo where Tramp tricks a beaver into removing the muzzle. That night, Tramp shows Lady how he lives footloose and collar-free, culminating in a candlelit Italian spaghetti dinner. As Tramp escorts Lady back home, he chases hens in a chicken coop and then is through being a stray. When the two dogs flee, Lady is caught by the dog catcher, and at the pound the other dogs admire Lady's license, as it is her way out of the pound. The other dogs also reveal that Tramp has had multiple girlfriends in the past, and they feel it's unlikely that he'll ever settle down. Eventually, Lady is collected by Aunt Sarah, who chains Lady to a doghouse in the backyard. Jock and Trusty visit to comfort her and tell her that strays are not allowed to be adopted. When the tramp arrives to apologize, thunder starts to rumble as Lady angrily confronts him, after which tramp sadly leaves. Moments later, as it starts to rain, Lady sees the same rat from before trying to sneak into the yard. Whilst the rat is afraid of Lady, it is able to evade her and enter the house. Lady barks frantically, but Aunt Sarah yells at her to be quiet. The tramp hears her and runs back to help. Tramp enters the house and finds the rat in the nursery. Lady breaks free and races to the nursery to find the rat on the baby's crib, 
as it had intended on harming the baby. Tramp pounces on the rat but knocks over the crib in the process, awakening the infant. Tramp kills the rat, but when Aunt Sarah comes to the baby's aid, she sees the two dogs and thinks they are responsible. She pushes Tramp into a closet and Lady into the basement, then calls the pound to take the Tramp away. Jim, Deer, and Darling return as the dog catcher departs. They release Lady, who leads them to the dead rat, vindicating Tramp. Jock and Trusty, having overhead everything, chase after the dog catcher's wagon. Jock is convinced Trusty has long since lost his sense of smell, but the old bloodhound is able to find the wagon. They bark at the horses who rear up and topple the wagon onto a telephone pole. Jim Deer arrives by car with Lady, and Lady is happily reunited with the tramp before they discover that the wagon fell on Trusty. That Christmas tramp is now part of Lady's family, and he has his own collar and license. Lady and the Tramp also have their own family, a litter of four puppies, three girls and one boy. Jock comes to see the family along with Trusty, who is carefully walking on his still-mending leg. Tramp Mm. is happy with Lady and in love together forever. The end. (sighs) I know. (laughs) I love that story. I know. It is. It's one of their great films. Now, in early development drawings, Lady was an English Springer Spaniel, and Tramp was first called Homer, then Rags, and Bozo. Oh, my gosh. However, in the finished film, Tramp never calls himself a proper name, although most of the film's canine cast refer to him as the Tramp. It was thought in the 1950s that the term Tramp would not be acceptable. But since Walt Disney approved of the choice, it was considered safe. Now, the rat was originally a comedic character and later became a great deal more menacing due to the need to raise dramatic tension in the, in the film. And throughout this, um, Ralph showed the different inspirational sketches for all these characters. And so the rat was much more comedic and not sort of the evil menacing character that he appears as in the film. Um, There was to be a dog and pony show sequence surrounding a poodle named Trixie, who is mentioned in the final film as one of Tramp's paramours. Um, Trixie never makes an appearance in the final film. But you might remember when Lady confronts Tramp after after she gets out of the dog pound, she asks Tramp, who is Trixie? I remember that. Yeah. And Peg was part of the dog and pony show as well. The cats were in the film early on. Earlier versions of the storyline drafted in 1943 during the war had the two cats appear as secondary antagonists, suggesting what was then referred to as the yellow peril. Um, They were originally named Nip and Tuck. (laughs) So, in Ward Green's novelization, they tearfully express remorse over causing Tramp's impending execution by hiding the rat's body as a joke, and then try to make amends, while in the film they do not. The character that became Aunt Sarah was softened for the film in comparison with earlier concepts of the character. In the film, she's a well-meaning busybody aunt who adores her cats, Earlier drafts had Aunt Sarah appear more as a stereotypical meddling and overbearing mother-in-law. 
Now, originally, Lady was to have only one next-door neighbor, a Ralph Bellamy-type canine named Hubert, and Hubert was later replaced by Jock and Trusty. And a scene created but then deleted was one in which, while Lady fears of the arrival of the baby, she has a parade of shoes nightmare that's similar to Dumbo's pink elephants on parade nightmare, where a baby booty splits in two, then four, and continues to multiply. And the dream shoes then fade into real shoes, and their wearer exclaiming that the baby has been born. And Ralph Eggleston showed some of the inspirational art for this dream sequence. Another cut scene was after Trusty says, Everybody knows a dog's best friend is this human. And this leads the tramp describing a world where the roles of, birth of both dogs and humans are switched. The dogs are the masters of humans. And again, the inspirational art was shown to the audience for this sequence. Now, one of the unique aspects of Lady and the Tramp is that it tells the story from the dog's point of view. In pre-production, Jim Deere was known as Jim Brown, and Darling was named Elizabeth. And these were dropped to highlight Lady's point of view. To maintain a dog's perspective, Darling and Jim's faces are rarely shown. The background artists made models of the interiors of Jim Deere and Darling's house with cutouts of the characters, then shot photos and film at low perspective of the model as reference to maintain a dog's view for the animated feature. As in all Disney films, live-action reference were used to aid the animators for timing and drawing references. So they did have live-action references of the dogs that they could use as well as, as the humans. Now, why is Lady and the Tramp a great film? Now, Ralph Eggleston said Lady and the Tramp is a story of loyalty and abandonment. Every character is developed in proportion to its storytelling need and as they are used in the film. He says the Snow White is the only other film that does so, with the exception of The Prince. And that the personalities of the characters shine through. Darling is a very loving, loving lady. Jim Deere has a bit of sass. And Lady is not presented as a saint. She's rascally and digs holes and chases birds, if you remember the opening sequence. Um, in the opening sequence, you get a lay of the land from her point of view. She's a protector by chasing the rat, and then is a saint for the rest of the film. The film's opening sequence in which Darling unwraps a hat box on Christmas morning and finds Lady inside is based upon an actual incident in Walt Disney's life when he presented his wife Lily with a chow puppy who was later Aww. named Sunny as a gift in a hat box. Now, one of the, the characters that really stands out in the film is an inchworm that's referred to as convict at large but he's a minor character but he's fun and entertaining and makes several appearances throughout the film and tramp has one of the great introductions in disney animation when he wakes up from sleeping in a, like a barrel stretches and washes up in preparation for his day of adventure and Bull and Peg are always jailbirds. Aunt Sarah, next time you watch the film, just see how she walks, because you know everything about her character just from the way she walks. 
the rat symbolizes a sense of danger to the family and the baby and loyalty on the part of Lady and the Tramp. Now, Lady and the Tramp is considered the most mature of Disney features and is an adult love story. In the traditional Disney Prince and Princesses princess films, you know, they develop the princess, but the prince is usually cardboard. You know, in, <laughs> in Lady and the Tramp, both main characters are developed and they have fun banter. Um, Ralph Eggleston has no proof, but he believes the comic banter between the two leads, Lady and Tramp, was influenced by Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert in It Happened One Night. And he showed a couple of sequences from the film in order to support his theory. And you can see it, you know, some a couple of the classic scenes where Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert first meet and her purse is stolen or her suitcase is stolen. And then when they're hitchhiking on the road because they've lost their ride. And he's, he talks about how, oh, he, he'll have no problem getting a ride and everybody passes him by. And then Claudette Colbert just shows a little of her leg. Car immediately stops, you know, and, um, and, and then he showed some of the banter back and forth between Lady and the Tramp. And so you can see how perhaps they use the personalities of Clark Gable and Claudette Colbert to influence um, the personalities of Lady and the Tramp. Now, Peggy Lee wrote the songs with Sonny Burke, who wrote the music for Toot Whistle, Plunk and Boom, and, assi- and she assisted with the score as well. And in the film, she sings He's a Tramp, La La Lu, the Siamese Cat song, and What is a Baby, and voiced the characters of Sai, Am, Peg, and Darling. Now, Miss Lee helped promote the film on the Disney TV series, explaining her work with the score and singing a few of the film's numbers. In 1991, Peggy Lee sued the Walt Disney Company for breach of contract, claiming that she still retained rights to the transcripts, including those to videotape when the film was released on VHS because she was on a musician contract which has strict rules. She was awarded $2.3 million, but not without a lengthy legal battle with the studio that went to the Supreme Court, but she passed away a short time later. Wow. Now, Lady and the Tramp was the first Disney animated feature filmed in 35mm widescreen cinemascope. It was presented in an aspect ratio of 2.55 to 1, and it is to date the widest film that Disney has ever produced. Sleeping Beauty was also produced for an original, um, for the same aspect, ri- aspect ratio in 70 millimeters, but it was never presented in theaters this way. Cinemascope was the movie studio's response to television. Um, the first film made in Cinemascope was How to Marry a Millionaire. The first film released in Cinemascope was The Robe. And other Cinemascope films released in 1955, the same year as Lady and the Tramp, include The Seven Year Itch, Picnic, and Rebel Without a Cause. Now, Cinemascope made it difficult to have group shots and close-ups due to the lighting needs. Actors' makeup would melt and their hair caught fire. So Walt Disney was the first person to license Cinemascope from 20th Century Fox. But Cinemascope presented some additional problems for the Disney animators. The expansion of canvas space made it difficult for a single character to dominate the screen, and groups had to be spread out to keep the screen from appearing sparse. 
Longer takes became necessary since constant jump cutting would seem too busy or annoying. And layout artists essentially had to reinvent their technique. Animators had to remember they could move their characters across the background instead of the background passing behind the characters. Now, smaller theaters could not accommodate CinemaScope films, so Walt had two negatives of Lady and the Tramp made, one in CinemaScope and one in original aspect ratio, which is basically half the size of CinemaScope. So for the standard size, Walt didn't simply pan and scan, as became common practice when a CinemaScope film went to television with square screens, nor did he just cut off the edges, as was common practice. Um, Walt had the film shot twice. This involved gathering the layout artist to restructure key scenes when characters were on the outside area of a screen. Animators redid artwork, repainted or shifted backgrounds and characters, and redesigned or shifted background and characters closer together. And wow. so Ralph Eggleston showed um, scenes side by side that were in CinemaScope and then how they were completely redesigned for the original aspect ratio. So Walt really wanted to present this film correctly, no matter what theater it was showing in. So now we're... That's amazing. That is. And, and think about... Like, the, talk about forward thinking. You talk about Epcot, but thinking of, okay, I wanted to uh, my vision to appear differently so on the screens that other people are going to see it on. Correct. Yeah. And it even meant, um, it, he showed how for the two different films, they had to zoom in on close-ups differently. They had to highlight characters differently for the two different film types. I mean, they really went into a lot of work creating two, basically two different, completely two different versions of the same film. Now, since we're um, now the the film's background paintings are lush and romantic to capture the textures of early century America with textures of hay, grass, mud, and wood. And when you think about it, there's a lot of rain, wetness, and dampness in the film, all of which is very difficult to animate. Um, now we're a Disneyland podcast, so there is a connection between Lady and the Tramp and Disneyland. Main Street USA at Disneyland was being designed at the same time Lady and the Tramp was in development. So the Main Street scene in the film is very similar to Disneyland's Main Street USA. Mm. So take a so take a look at that the next time you watch the film. Now Lady and the Tramp was originally released in theaters on June 22, 1955. Ward Green, the author of Happy Dan, the Whistling Dog, wrote a novelization of Lady and the Tramp prior to the film's release at Walt Disney's insistence so audiences would be familiar with the story. Um, at the time, the film took in a higher figure than any other Disney animated features since Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, earning an estimated $7.5 million in North America. An episode of Disneyland called A Story of Dogs aired before the film's release. And the television show was divided into two sections. The first section is a behind-the-scenes look at Lady and the Tramp, and the second half is a look at the career of Disney's first canine star, Pluto. Lady and the Tramp was reissued to theaters in 1962, 1971, 1980, and 1986. And Lady and the Tramp also played a limited engagement in select Cinemark theaters from February 16th to the 18th in 2013. 
Now, despite being an enormous success at the box office, the film was initially panned by many critics. One indicated that the dogs had the dimensions of hippos. Another, that the artist's work is below par. However, the film has since come to be regarded as a classic. The sequence of Lady and the Tramp sharing a plate of spaghetti and meatballs climaxed by an accidental kiss as they swallow opposite ends of the same piece of spaghetti is considered an iconic scene in American film. And as I'm going to report in another segment, I just learned this past weekend, that scene was cut from the film. Really? Yes. And it was only later re-added in. So, and I'll I'll tell the story about that about about what happened with that. Okay, later on. I want to hear it. So, in a future segment, Lady and the Tramp was named number ninety-five out of the hundred greatest love stories of all time by the American Film Institute in their hundred years hundred passions special as one of the only two animated films to appear on the list. What do you think was the other Disney film? Just, Sword in yeah. the Stone. Beauty and the Beast. You got it. Beauty and the Beast. And it ranked um, 34th. In 2010, Rhapsody called Lady and the Tramp's accompanying soundtrack one of the all-time great Disney and Pixar soundtracks. In June 2011, Time named it one of the 25 all-time best animated films. And the film began a spin-off comic called Scamp named after one of Lady and the Tramp's puppies. I remember reading the comic books for Lady and the Tramp. It was first written um, by Ward Green, and it was published in newspapers from October 31st, 1955 until 1988. I remember reading Scamp, The Adventures of Scamp, Mm -hmm, on the Sunday paper. I used to love it. Yeah, me too. It was one of my favorites. I didn't realize it was published so recently. You know, 1988 wasn't that long ago. Yeah, I thought it was. It stopped like in the seventies. I did too, because I, that's when I, I just stopped seeing it. Mm-hmm. What was groundbreaking about Lady and the Tramp, according to Ralph Eggleston, is that it is the most mature of Disney's love stories and is completely told from the dog's point of view. This was the film they watched at Pixar when making Toy Story, a film toy told from the toy's point of view. Mm. So in the film Toy Story, there is a homage to Lady and the Tramp. In the Christmas scene at the end of Toy Story, Ralph Eggleston used the same wallpaper as in The Darling House from Lady and the Tramp. Hmm. So have a Bella Note night and watch Lady and the Tramp over a plate of spaghetti with someone you love (laughs) and be sure to share your meatball. (laughs) Awesome. I think I was I was waiting for the connection to to Pixar this this show. Oh my God, there it is. Okay, I'm good. I can sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Michael. You're Love that, that story. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week, and of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>